Public transportation is a convenient and eco-friendly way to get from one spot to the next, and a lot of people use it for this purpose. You might be catching the train to head over to work or hopping on the light rail to get to school. Buses and other forms of transportation are so common that in the UK alone, billions of rides are taken annually. While these mediums of transportation are common and convenient, there is something else that comes with them. The public. And that is where everything can go wrong. My name is Brianne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. Today's episode is a follow-up to the previous episode on the murder of Millie Dowler. So, if you haven't listened to that one yet, go check it out and then come back. In part two, we are going to focus more on Levi Belfield, the bus stop killer, and his long list of victims. I do want to be upfront in saying that the rest of the cases aren't necessarily the most nature-driven crimes. Not every victim was found in a forest, but every victim was attacked outside, and it just didn't feel right to only focus on Millie when she is one of the many victims of this killer. Before we dive into the case and this deranged killer too much, I also want to say that this is probably the most expansive case that I've covered to date. Not only in terms of the crimes, but in terms of what is known about the killer. While I've been researching and learning more, I've realized that there's always something else to learn with this one. Even though there's this obvious and seemingly never-ending list of people that Belfield has harmed, assaulted, killed, and just plain wronged, I'm still just surprised by how much shocking information there is available surrounding him, and I don't think that's an accident. As we go along, I'm pretty sure you'll see why. In the last episode, we discussed Millie Dowler, who was chronologically the first official victim of the bus stop killer. Millie was 13 when she disappeared and was ultimately found murdered several months later. But Millie wasn't the only victim. In fact, police don't believe that she was the first victim either. She's just the oldest crime that Belfield has been formally charged for to date. With serial killers, there are a few common themes that we tend to see. The first is that serial killers tend to have a type. There are always exceptions to every rule, but with people who routinely target people for a specific kind of crime, there tends to be a few common traits that are shared among them. With the bus stop killer, there were two shared traits with the people that he attacked. They were almost entirely women, and most of them were fairly young. Then there was a third trait, which didn't present every time, but did earn him the title of the bus stop killer. Belfield had a tendency to scope out and target young women who were using public transit. If you were to pull a group of women into a room and ask them if they have ever been catcalled or hit on publicly, pretty much every hand in that room is going to go up. And the rest of the women probably just never leave home without headphones on, so. As a society, we're just now taking the time to look at catcalling and what a horrible and common practice it is, particularly for young women. Like most women, I have countless stories about men being predatory or just plain creepy in public spaces. 
whether it was the guy who made a bunch of inappropriate remarks towards a friend and I in eighth grade because we were playing in the sprinklers on our way to the grocery store, or the time that I was on a work call and a client said that I, quote, sound like I treat my husband real nice because of my voice, which was not only weird, but just extra ridiculous because I was obviously using my customer service voice, which anyone will tell you sounds absolutely nothing like me. Regardless, the fact is that some people are just inappropriate people and they tend to be pretty vocal about it. In life, we think that they're just jerks or idiots, but some of them are really bad. And unfortunately, those people tend to target kids. When you're growing up, your approach to handling these situations tends to evolve. As a young girl, I remember running with my friends or yelling things like creep before taking off. Later, we would giggle about it, completely unaware of what we might have dodged, but reading about the bus stop killer certainly painted those memories in an even darker light. Belfield's penchant for frequenting bus stops was... I think, his way of specifically targeting women who likely weren't old enough to drive. School children were often more dependent upon these forms of transportation, and while I can't guarantee that's why he did it, it seems like it would line up. When he approached women in these spaces, the story seemed to change. Sometimes he would flat out try to hit on the girls. Other times, he would try to give them a fake story and offer them a ride home. No matter what, the common theme with him was that he would attempt to get these young women into his car. And whether it worked or not, there was generally violence involved. In the last episode, we talked about how Belfield attempted to abduct another little girl only a few weeks after he killed Millie Dowler. And... As I learned more, I realized how lucky that little girl was to escape the situation unharmed. When Kate Sheedy was 18 years old, she was walking down the street from the bus stop after a night out with her friends. As she walked, she noticed a car that was idling up ahead. Seeing a car with its lights off sitting on the side of the road when you're walking home alone in the dark is enough to give anyone room for pause, but Kate was really smart. She saw this obvious threat, and she crossed the street to put distance between them. Most women are no stranger to this move. If there is a guy walking down the street and he gives off weird vibes, you cross the street. And while sometimes those guys will yell or get mad, sometimes something much worse happens. Sometimes that anger turns into rage, and they decide to take action. Kate actively thwarted Belfield's alleged abduction attempt, and that made him very angry. Walking alone at night is scary enough without seeing a person in a blacked-out car, and I have no doubt that she was thoroughly worried about the situation. If I was in that situation, I would definitely be wary of what might happen, but... I highly doubt that in any of Kate's fear, she considered being run over that's what happened to her. Kate was, if nothing else, lucky to escape with her life. She didn't die from the attack, but she did end up hospitalized for weeks and then had to find her own path to recovery beyond that. 
The good news is that she was also able to find some form of justice four years later when she offered up evidence in the case against him. In 2003, only a year after Millie was attacked and killed, a 19-year-old Marsha McDonald was also attacked. Like the others, she had spent time out with her friends, and then she took the bus home. Shortly after leaving the bus stop, she was violently attacked by Belfield. He hit her over the head repeatedly, and ultimately, she died in the hospital a couple of days after the attack. They didn't find him at the time, but... Two years after she was attacked, Belfield struck again. This time, his victim was 22-year-old Amélie Delagrange. Amélie was a French student who was spending time visiting the UK when she was attacked. As you might have guessed, she rode the bus. At some point, she got off, and that was when he attacked, which would ultimately result in her death. Amélie's attack was nearly identical to Marcia's, and this would in the end, help police to find him. But it wasn't that straight of a path. When you look at the similarities between these cases, you kind of have to begin to wonder what kind of person would do this. What would lead someone to hunt down young women at bus stops? What kind of person is so comfortable with such extreme acts of violence, particularly in public? The answer according to the police, lies in the personality profile of Belfield. When I took forensic psychology in school, the first day, my teacher made it clear that being a criminal profiler wasn't a real job anymore. And I remember being really shocked by this. In every kind of crime TV, the obligatory criminal profile scene is always there. We all wait for it. Most of us in the true crime community can probably spit the lines out before they even happen. We know the drill, right? It's always like, he was a loner. He would have been prone to violent acts throughout his lifetime. He likely grew up feasting on the souls of kittens and never mastered potty training. Like, you know, the usual. We, it's the same spiel pretty much every time. So I was saddened to learn that this wasn't really a job. And then I just realized that it's probably just a part of the job. At some point, experience and psychology probably come together to help detectives know who they are looking for. And it's not like criminal profiles are even always accurate, so I guess it makes sense. For Belfield, the profile wasn't something that police were coming up with. It was something that they received after interacting with him, and... It was pretty disturbing, to say the least. From what the police have said, as well as the quotes offered up by Belfield publicly, it's pretty obvious that he has a very serious ego problem. Police actually said that Belfield believed that he was God's gift to women, and when I first read that, I almost wanted to laugh. And then I learned some pretty concerning things. From what we can see of Belfield on paper, he has nothing to offer, really. He didn't have a fancy job or any area where he really seemed to excel. There's no record of him being exceptionally intelligent. And, well, I will let you look up the photos of him yourself. The point is, I read this and I thought, God's gift to women. Bruh, 
Where? And then I learned about his dating history. Belfield has a shockingly long list of lovers. He had girlfriends, he had wives, and according to reports, he had a lot of them at the same time. Belfield has 11 children scattered among various women, which is even more concerning considering his predatory nature regarding women. And then I learned more. After Belfield was arrested, his exes seemed a lot more open to talking, and apparently Belfield had basically taken a page out of the narcissistic lover's playbook. The women who spoke up all had a similar story. First, he would be unbelievably sweet and charming. He would shower them in love and affection. It would be like something out of a movie. For those of you who don't know about this toxic practice, it is called love bombing. When a narcissist seeks out a new victim, they will spend all their time building a completely ridiculous standard of behavior. They will be kind and loving, doting and compassionate, and for a while, the victim will be soaking up all of this artificial love, thinking that they found the person that they're meant to be with. And then everything changes. Once Belfield was done building that sense of love and trust, he would flip the switch. Suddenly, he would be angry and mean and violent. His exes reported being beaten, raped, and completely controlled by him. And one of them even believed that he repeatedly used her to practice his attacks on women on the street. Now, nothing on this planet will help any of us to understand how a man could do this, but behaviors and criminal patterns can be pretty telling. The psychiatric definition of narcissistic personality disorder is a personality disorder characterized by an exaggerated sense of self-importance, a need for admiration, and a lack of empathy for other people. And that is really easy to see in Belfield. Following a few interviews, police came to believe that they found Belfield's motive for choosing his victims. When he went out to hit on random young women near bus stops, he would wait for one of them to decline him. And that was when he would attack. According to police, Belfield wasn't just attacking these women. He was getting revenge on them for daring to deny him. And that was what they believe fueled his violent attacks. Entitlement, particularly where violent individuals are involved, is a very scary, and in this case, downright delusional, problem. Belfield was so upset by these young women failing to see just how amazing he was that he would kill them for even daring to imply it. As if all of this isn't bad enough, this isn't even considered the full extent of Belfield's crimes. He was a thief, he once assaulted a police officer, and he was considered a primary suspect in the murder of his childhood girlfriend. I don't know about you, but I am definitely team he did it on that one. From what I can tell, Belfield's entire life was crime. He made a full-time job out of terrorizing people. In fact, he even used his primary job for crime. Professionally, Belfield was a car clamper. You know those yellow things that get put on your tire if you're illegally parked? Yeah, I always assumed that it was cops that did that, and apparently they are not the only ones. As a car clamper, 
he had the ability to immobilize cars. So in his free time, he and a bunch of his criminal friends would drive around and clamp legally parked cars, then attempt to blackmail the drivers to get money out of them. And it worked. His criminal behavior with this group of friends didn't even stop there. He was also investigated for being a part of a ring of pedophiles who would target young women in difficult circumstances and sexually assault them, sometimes using date rape drugs. It is believed that he and his gang of criminals were grooming young women with intent to exploit and traffic them later. Everything that he did in his lifetime was just horrible. That's really what it comes down to. The only good news that has come from the case, aside from Belfield being caught, is the fact that he will never be able to be free again. Based on his sentencing, he will live and die in prison. But with this case, it isn't quite the happy ending that you would expect. While in prison, Belfield was attacked by another prisoner. And I read that and I said, great. Yeah, that sounds about right. And then I realized that it was a really bad thing because he actually managed to win a suit against the prison for failing to protect him. And with that came money. A later letter to his friend would brag about how well he was living and how luxurious his life was living off of the money that he won. Even worse... Belfield has been accused of falsely hiding behind religion to gain access to better circumstances while in prison. I hate mentioning this while Ramadan is going on, but Belfield reportedly converted to Islam under what is believed to be completely fake circumstances in order to be able to receive better food and more free time in prison. I'm not sure how this works or if it is a valid point of concern, but I have to say that from everything else we know about this killer... He certainly doesn't seem like he would be above exploiting a religion if it meant that he could gain anything by it. It's awful to think that a man could be parading behind someone else's faith, but Belfield certainly seems the type, if anything. From what we know, it's pretty obvious that Belfield takes a lot of joy in playing with the justice system, a fact which police have routinely stated. Personally, I believe the reason that we know so much about this killer is because he wanted us to, and that, kids, is textbook narcissism. Belfield was happy to share quotes, happy to brag to cellmates, and all around happy to gloat. The consequence of this is a killer who has a reasonably large public appearance. He is believed to have been involved in countless other crimes. He has even confessed to some crimes off the record, then claimed it never happened when police brought it up again. It seems like everything is just a very twisted game to him. What we do know is that he has had a violent obsession with women that has spanned decades. But at least we can all rest easier knowing that he will never be free again. Ultimately, he has proven to be a man who will always do whatever he can to get what he wants in the worst possible way. His blatant disregard for human life and his rage towards women has touched countless lives in the worst way possible. But at least he was finally caught. At least 
one less sick person is stalking the streets looking for victims. I know that it should never be on us to protect ourselves at night against this kind of activity. In a perfect world, people like this wouldn't exist. But I really hope that every single one of you is careful and has some kind of means of protection when you walk home alone at night, because you really never know who might be watching you. In the event that you want to talk true crime or see what other true crimey content I'm making, feel free to look me up on Twitter or Instagram using the tag at datpod. And if you want exclusive access to ad-free episodes, fun extras, and the community discord, feel free to become a patron at patreon.com slash like and inscribe. Until next time, guys, stay safe. Stay safe.